This week's episode is brought to you in part by FNX Fit, a fitness supplements brand that can get you hooked up with all of your pre, post, during workout needs, as well as other nutritional supplements. Use checkout code CARLPOOLING at fnxfit.com to get 15% off your order. Hey, Hunter. Hey, Chris. What does the Hill and famous monetary nomenclature-based rappers and the different hues and shades of the monochromatic spectrum have in common with this episode? Uh, They're all like a raven and a writing desk. No. Also. Crud. That's so confusing, Hunter. Um, No, but remember when you're over the hill, that means you're over 50, and our favorite coinage-themed rapper, 50 Cent, and your favorite novel, 50 Shades of Grey, Right. and this episode, they all have the number 50 involved with them. Isn't that fun? That is fun. That's really fun. Hunter, tell me about your favorite chapter of 50 Shades of Grey. Oh, it's definitely the one with the Christmas tree. I do quit this conversation um, <laughs> full abort full well, abort man sorry 50. i did that most people said we couldn't do it um and some people said we couldn't do it while they were holding guns and right. trying to find us but right here On we Facebook. are yeah once again we are uh we are back for the for the 50th time uh any thoughts as we we uh embark on our demi-centennial uh yeah um you're not worth it and you never will be and i do this crap every day that i do this crap for you (laughs) i can't tell if you're talking to me or the audience (laughs) i i want there to be a little ambiguity (laughs) what i really want people to know is that uh, you know, I finally finally did it. I had a podcast with 50 episodes. Look out, Joe Rogan. Um, yeah, so. seriously, on your heels, bud. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, you guys, I, I'm really good at saying stuff into a microphone. You know when you're a little kid and you're walking in front of the shopping cart at your local Publix or uh-huh. food and your line? mom, like, hits you in the or, back yeah, of your you ankle? You know that feeling right before yeah. like when you hear the cart behind you you can feel it in the back of your ankles yes. don't yes. you imagine that's what joe rogan's got to be feeling like right now just like yes he's got that spidey sense and he turns around and looks at i don't know whatever kind of orthopedic it's us in a honda special. civic <laughs> it's us in a honda civic just coming for you <laughs> aiming right at the ankle which is about where a honda civic would hit joe rogan that's um, true and he's gonna know because because it's not like a Prius that we can sneak up silently. No. It's the what it's can only be loud? described as the loudest. It sounds like you have you have Oh, you're a, talking about mine specifically. Specifically yours sounds like you have yeah. like like a bunch of nuts and bolts and other various shrapnels in an aluminum bag that just mm-hmm. is attached to the manifold and just beats into the side of the body constantly. Um I truly do feel sorry for that car. 
on nearly a yeah. daily basis. Hunter, tell the people why they're here. And they are here remind me to listen. as well. We are here, brother, and also the other people are here because this is Carl Point. It's a talk show between two brothers where we dish and talk about all things concerning the topics that we care about and we find super important. We're talking about philosophy. We're talking about politics. We're talking about religion. We're talking about science. We're talking about art. And we used to do that all from the moving cab of a Honda 2010 Civic. 2010 I always say Honda it wrong. Civic. No, no, I said cab. it right. But never yeah. mind. Yeah, no, 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 no. You asked we've me o- to do the we've intro. We've only done this 50 times. So You asked me to do the intro. You get what you pay for, okay? F and X fit. Um, but <laughs> so, so, so uh, yeah, we used to do it from that moving cab of uh, Honda 20, I can't, Civic. So, um, but now we don't do that anymore. Now, because of COVID, we are locked in our houses and are forced to talk to the cute little box of each other in this uh, Discord call. Um, so yeah, that's what you're here for. Hope you, I hope you got what you wanted. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Thanks for that, Hunter. Um, <laughs> and boy, do we have a barn burner of a, of, of a demi centennial for you. I, right. uh, here, I have a question. <laughs> Bicentennial. Can that also mean 50 years or does it mean 200 years? It's like the I... bi-monthly problem that I'm running into. Does bi-monthly, bi-monthly can it means mean both. both. Yeah. But can, yes. But can bicentennial mean both? Um, I mean, going off like basic logic, my idea is yes, right? Like if it works right. for bimonthly, it should work for bicentennial. But um, demi but- demi centennial would also. I mean, that would be correct in Latin. Oh, okay. Well, who knows? Um, more or less centennials I'm, here here's the real question what are you gonna do every 200 years okay like <laughs> hey guys welcome back let's hang out you know what i mean <laughs> you're going to feel like such a fool during the yeah. 200 year anniversary of carl pooling uh, when, <laughs> when you are just a floating cortex and i've been how, completely digitized how um, do we record an episode right now and have it released 200 years from now Episode Dude, 51 of Carl Pullen. Actually, we could do that. Let's talk about that offline, about making an audio time capsule. Okay. Um, that would be weird. Provided Amazon Web Services still exist then. All right, Hunter, enough, enough beating about the proverbial bush. Let's, uh, let's jump into the episode. We've got a huge topic today. It's kind of a continuation yeah. off of what we did last week. We're going to continue to make our case against the mainstream media and their denizens in the social media sphere. Uh, they're imps and prostitutes that scurry around doing their ill-conceived bidding. However, in the meantime, before we get into the meat and potatoes, we have my favorite segment, Roadkill. Roadkill, Aww. a great topic where we make fun of something that uh, needs no lampooning or lambasting because, alas, it is already deceased. However, what a week. I mean... <laughs> with with gift. Joe Biden getting getting attacked by his own dog. Look, I don't wish <laughs> any injury or violence on Joe Biden, which is one of the reasons I'm concerned that he picked Kamala Harris as a running mate. But I just one. There's multiple <laughs> reasons. But like when your own dog is trying to oust you before you take the oath of office, I'm, uh, there's that. There's this hilarious uh, uh, female footballer who tried to kick a ball and uh, 
it by most accounts failed miserably. Um, yeah. There, there's a, a slew of funny COVID fallouts and debacles with uh, all of our, our usual crew. I just, I'm excited to see what you've picked for us this week, Hunter. Lay it on me. Yeah. Yeah. Before I get into it, um, I do want to say like all these female stars who have kicked or, you know, they don't kick field goals for the most part. They're, they're typically, typically doing kickoffs, right? Um, mm-hmm. Wake me up. When one of those ladies plays offensive guard, like I don't care until that happens. Like I just don't, you know, and I'm not being mean, but just, just when that happens, I will actually care about that, you know? Yeah. So we're, we're a very I'm pro, sorry. pro football uh, show over here at Carl pooling. We have a Look, little bit I, of experience on the O-line, Hunter, would you say? Right. We know, yeah, we know yeah, a thing yeah, or two yeah. about it over here. The trenches. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not that women are uh, it compared to men they're born with osteoporosis every single one of them I'll, I'm yeah. in the same boat we'll see when one of them shows up but uh just this, to just to do the little bit just it, it was brilliant because they're like oh it was a squib kick which even if it was was kind of a crappy one but they right. kicked it when they were down at the beginning of the second half there's no reason to kick a squib kick then so I'm just of the opinion that she just screwed up a kickoff and could God. just be they were like typically you put your third string in when you're like losing you know what i mean like why don't you guys go out there and get some practice that makes more sense to me yeah um well good for her yeah i mean yeah whatever i mean she kicked a ball awesome um not a you know it is what it is i will say this just so we can do the other side of this too uh did you know that women's elbows uh articulate in a different angle than men's yes which I think is like one of the most chapter startling. seventeen, Fifty Shades of Elbow. Okay. The elbow was no. bent at an extent. <laughs> no, like seriously, if you uh, you can do this with your with any woman near you, uh, or you can ask or, them to do it. Yeah, all you, just reach okay. over and bend. Okay, I give up. I was trying to teach people something interesting about how the human bodies work. What you didn't but... realize is I got a job at Media Matters in the, in the <laughs> Literally in two seconds, you got a job and got paid. Wow, that is an expensive car <laughs> okay, you're driving, tell sir. us about the, uh, about the elbow, please, Hunter. Are you? Okay. So, like, if you take your fist and you just put it forward straight, like, you know, basically hold your arm out straight and do a fist, and if you were to take, like, a pencil and like drive it through the point of your elbow uh, where it actually bends, right? Mm-hmm. Men's will be pretty much in a flat parallel plane with the ground, mm-hmm. right? Whereas women's elbow will be slightly turned up a few degrees. Will be turned up like, say, 20 or 35 degrees. Gotcha. Right? Not exactly a 45-degree angle, but still a little bit off. So one of the interesting things about men and women is that they are so different that their arms literally move through space differently. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that most people don't really think about. Uh, they're usually you know, with the, with the other things that are like so much more obvious, you know, but anyway, well, that's not roadkill yeah, this that's week. That's interesting though, because you know, Jonathan Blow had a tweet this week that basically said that, um, that gender reveal parties were violence right. because, because right. the baby will reveal what, what gender it is, but you can't even, you can't even, uh, 
reach out your arms the same way. It's so funny that you do deny basic gender when things as fundamental as that are true. And, and you can talk about yeah. how little that might matter, and that would just betray how little you know about physiology and its impact on things like sociology and psychology. Um, right. The better question is to ask why. Like, why is there a difference? For punching. Like, Although well, when you were demonstrating that, it did look like it was for saluting the Fuhrer. But <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a well, video no, podcast, so I'll give you a pass. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, that's not Roadkill this week. That Roadkill was just this for week, free. That was just for free. That's called, uh, that's our new favorite segment, for free. Um, so we're going to take you to the uh, good old New York Times. Um, oh Chris, you dug up this tweet. And it's a it's it's a it's a real winner. So um, I'll read the uh, headline and then I'll read the tweet associating with it. Okay. Gunman assassinates Iran's top nuclear scientist in ambush, provoking new crisis. Um, now, if you knew any of uh, what's been happening in the news for a while or this week, is that it looks like some Israeli. Uh, there was an Israeli assassination of this Iranian, Iranian uh, top nuclear scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it appears to be. There's no been official, yes, we did it, but there's been a lot of like, but we did going right. on. So, um, okay. <laughs> they didn't deny it per se. Right, exactly. Huh, that's weird. He has an Israeli flag. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> weird. So, Look, but this- when, when Mossad winks and just goes, I don't know. You kind of know. Watch the movie yeah. Munich. <laughs> That's hysterical. Uh, but this tweet associating uh, this headline is just utterly incredible. Uh, so here we go. This is the New York Times World Twitter. Um, blue check mark and everything. Iranian officials who have always maintained that their nuclear ambitions are for peaceful purposes, not weapons, expressed fury and vowed revenge over the assassination, calling an act of terrorism and warmongering. So, uh, nukes are for peace. <laughs> the hippies got it wrong. The greatest part of this to me, and I truly love nothing better than this, is that they're like, we are so dedicated to peace, which is, the, he was the minister of peace. That's what we wanted to use the nuclear program <laughs> for, peace. And in his name, we declare retribution and revenge of the most fiery and violent sort. Such you won't point. know peace until we blast it at you from an intercontinental ballistic missile tipped with the research and development of the lately deceased scumbag um, at the hands of what I hope is the Israeli special operatives. Like, like great pitch. Like, way to prove out. You proved everybody wrong. You are the right. world's leading proponent of peace. And, of course, uh, there was no shortage of um, chicanery and jackassery in the media and protecting of Joseph Biden about all of this when it came to um, opening talks back up for the Iran nuclear deal, et cetera, ad nauseum. But, like, that's just – you have to be an – you have to be in an extra special style of echo chamber to to say buy that to, to to buy the argument we love peace so much that we vow revenge like that's yeah. crazy it is insane dude i don't know i i mean the whole i mean like nuclear weapons and we've talked a little bit about this on a, on the show nuclear weapons are in fact a deterrent right mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of what that argument is but 
it's also not a great idea for, you know, states that are like sponsoring terrorism to have nuclear weapons, right? And to do this amount of like water carrying for the Iranian regime is just kind of incredible. Yeah. Um, it, it's not shocking. It's not surprising, but it also is just like, just disheartening. Go um, listen to our episode on Israel, right? I mean, like, we, right. we've shown how wrong all of these policy prescribers are about the status of things in the Middle East, especially as they relate to Israel and Iran. And right. the fact that, that the media, I mean, there was entire organizations and orchestrations of the media via Twitter to promote false stories about Barack Obama's Iranian nuclear deal and right. peace in the Middle East contingent upon it so as to protect what any honest source knew was a terrible foreign policy decision. And it was no good for that part of the world. And that was that was proven out and efficacy by the fact that standing up to Iran, shoving the nuclear deal down their throat, and then moving the embassy to Jerusalem uh, caused rampant peace to break out from, uh, you know, your, our favorite little tyrant, uh, in scare quotes, Donald Trump. Anyhow, uh, right. what, what you would have to be so stupid as to work for the New York Times to post some drivel like that. What else can you say? Um, yeah. Yeah. You're probably You're, a very, very smart member of the elite bubble. Who's you know? the byline on that, Hunter? Mm-hmm. on hold music just while, while you're looking hold. that up i'll fact check Why? myself in real time i think i said jonathan blow earlier and i did mean charles blow um, okay. about that tweet the byline is david e sanger eric schmidt farnas fasihi i think i'm <laughs> easy, saying that right easy <laughs> and ronan bergman or bergman i'm not quite sure how he pronounces it but right, and we get a quadruple long walk short long walk short peer award this week on Carl Fulling. A four in one, four at a time. Small golf claps all around. Okay. That's beautiful. Um uh if you liked that part of the show, buckle up because we got more of the same coming your way. Hunter, let's jump in to the uh, a continued dissection of the media in twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, where we see things going how you're being gaslit and why you're funding it and why you should stop. Um, and, and I think we also in this episode want to recapitulate some of the dangers of the new world that we're walking into. Some of them that exist without uh, that will exist no matter what we do. And some of them that we can mitigate. And I think we want to talk about those. So love it. Uh, there's a couple of different issues on my mind, just as far as, the case against the media, you know, after my uh, rage has subsided somewhat and I'm ready to look more clearly into the storm, I've got some thoughts. Uh, I can start there. Did you have any any specific topics about the media that you wanted to talk about? Uh, not, not in particular. Um, I think the thing that kind of strikes me the most about this, I've always been, I've always thought people do not use information systems that empower users. Um, mm -hmm. and I've, it always, I always am interested in like those creative ideas and that's kind of like where my energy is on this episode. So let, let's, let's kick it off with the media though. Cause I think I, that's something I can vibe off of. And I think it's a good start to like set up everything. The only thing I think that's like well, important let's... to put into context is like 
coming coming off what we said of the election is just how many ways, you know, the legacy news media is not the outlet to be getting your news from anymore. And they've proven that time and time and time again. And maybe we need to do some more groundwork there. But it's also the fact that the, and this is your point, Chris, and I'm sure you'll touch on this more, find the person that has editor control, find the person that is self-funded. They, they can be at least trusted to be honest, right? Or right. at least you can be a good judge of their honesty is probably the best way to say that. They have, they're, they're at least giving you the message that they want to give you, right? right? And that's, right. that's the first step to being honest. Now, that, that it devolves into what is the character of that person, right? But at sure. least you're getting the message that they intend to give you, which is more than you can say for places like um, CNN, MSNBC, and now even Twitter, Facebook, etc. So here, here's one thing mm-hmm. that we can start with, because I think this is important in understanding the landscape. Mm-hmm. Facebook, Twitter, they started in contravention to the legacy media platform. And a lot of people, especially Twitter, but Facebook was quick to follow. Um, you know, fa- Facebook started putting news on its platform, you know, probably close to a decade ago, maybe around 2011, 2012, and promoting it to its user base. And Twitter kind of came out in that milieu that it was this quick soundbite um, format that replicated some of the things that you saw in the mainstream media. However, it was accessible by everyone, right? Right. And they were they for a long time were were the repositories of people who wanted to share viewpoints and share ideas that weren't making it on the nightly news. And that's that is what the the news journalism wing of those uh, social media sites started out doing and that's i think that's one of the reasons why even now you see such a stark difference between the elements of any given social media platform and the differences between social media platforms themselves for instance the news feed on facebook is dominated by news whereas the messenger app is dominated by connections and then on Instagram, there's actually very little news on Instagram because a lot of people are looking at each other's stories. Now, there, don't get me wrong. There, there's plenty of it. But comparatively, what you see a lot on Instagram is people sharing uh, ridiculous pictures that no one cares about. Um, which sure. I've, except for ours at carpooling. Um, very which you good pictures. A, an incredible amount about because they're interesting and thought-provoking and right. intelligent and perhaps right. might be your salvation uh, that can neither be confirmed nor denied entirely. So anyway, you see these differences between the different sections of Facebook and you know, it's interesting that they just tied the messaging app from Twitter or from Facebook and Instagram together. So it's Correct. one messaging app. Now it's almost like they realized that their the social side of Facebook belonged closer to Instagram than it did to Facebook. So they moved it in that it's, direction. I mean, like then on the other Instagram hand, is the, a nicer social network mainly because yeah. you can't just post an entire block of your thoughts. <laughs> you have to look at other people. And even if you do try and post a block of your thoughts, it'll hide it behind a little ellipses. Right. Exactly. Know? There's, there's um, uh, friction is I think the technical term that they like to use. Yeah. And then, and then Twitter on the other hand, Twitter is the least humanized 
uh, social media platform because unlike Facebook, you really don't have to be a person, place, or thing to enter it. You can be a troll account, and that's just fine. There's plenty of right. satire accounts, right? It's just for any quote-unquote actor, and then you can post right. whatever you want. Um, so, and it's interesting, actually from Pew back in 2018, they were saying that one in five adults said that they got their news on social media. So, so I say that to say, you can see that there are these gradations of social media accounts. And then in addition to that, there is certainly a journalism aspect in social media, right? And that used to be in direct competition with the legacy media sites. Let's talk a little bit about what happened since 2016, because I think this is where we should start, because, you know, we're going to get in later in the show, I think, to uh, to different new social media platforms and the new places where you should get your news. And we're going to make that pitch again and deepen it a little bit. But it doesn't really make a lot of sense if you don't understand the interconnections between legacy media and social media. Can I make one point before we jump off that bridge? Yeah. So I think one of the things that you kind of said there that was really good is. Yes, there were news organizations that were on those platforms earlier, right? And, like, weren't necessarily, like, in your face, if that sort of makes sense. They were kind of like the thing that was underneath the surface. You know what I mean? Like, news on Facebook and these people on YouTube that did, like, raw, uncut, you know, investigative journalism were, like, kind of not what was popular there. Um you know, like YouTube was famous for like skit shows, you know, and cat videos and babies laughing. And Facebook was like where you gossiped about your friends and it didn't have like that wasn't at the forefront like that. And it really like it, it was this avenue, but it never received the prominence, if that sort of makes sense. Right. Well, Until I think of, you- it was kind of a a slight evolution of the old chat rooms, right? Where people were doing their own investigative journalism with people across the country uh, before, you know, we got corralled into these social media towers. So anyway. Right. And so I think what, I think the kind of the point is like, you know, they weren't really prepared for that at all. These social media networks, that's not what they wanted to be. That wasn't necessarily, they, believed in a utopian world where the internet would kind of create a more connected world and everyone would kind of come together because of that. But what they really didn't know is like they would become the platforms that news was distributed upon. Like that's not what their systems were built for. That's not what they were designed to do. They were built for these like different niche purposes. And the thing that has become so, I think like the overwhelming thing that they are used for now you know, is news, you know, is the fact that like you're seeing so many more people get only news from Facebook and things like that. Um, And that's pretty dangerous when you're looking at memes and saying like, you know, that is a, uh, that is my news, if that sort of makes sense. Anyway, I don't mean to cut you off, but go ahead. Well, no, that's a great point. Um, I think, I think two great points. One is that you're saying that people increasingly get their news from, these social media sites. In fact, uh, there's their employment between 20, 2008 and 2018 has actually increased 
82% in digital newsrooms. So people are right. picking up on the fact that Buzzfeed. people are getting more and more news from these social media sites. In addition to that, well, I think we're consuming more news as a whole anyway. I think your average yeah. news consumption went up in the Trump era. Because um, you can do but, it. Well, also, you can just do it in the background. Uh, that's part of, uh, part of it. Also, it's become sensationalized. I mean, it's the best drama. It's the only it's, it's thing both. that rates higher than Game of Thrones. You know what I'm saying? Well, um, I think it's, it's like now that you know that you can follow like Fox News or whatever it is on Twitter or Facebook, and you can just like pull up your feed, read a headline, and feel informed. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you don't need to sit down and watch Tucker Carl- Carlson every night. That's right. Okay, and the on. other point you you made that is good to key on is that this isn't what social media was created for. You know, Jack Dorsey made Twitter so that he could invite people to his drum circle. And I'm pretty sure Zuckerberg just wanted a girlfriend (laughs) at any rate. uh, Neither of those things really panned out, but um, I'm just (sighs) kidding. I'm sure, I'm sure Zuckerberg has a very high tech Japanese robotic girlfriend at this point. Um, Anyhow, sure. I don't have that, that on good authority, but it's just, it, doesn't it feel right when you say it? Felt right. Anyhow. Felt right when you said it. So now let's talk about what happened in the Trump era. So in, in you had these media companies literally going around and rolling out red carpets for for Barack Obama. I mean, the, the line that constantly gets repeated is the only, the only scandal that Obama was engaged in was wearing a tan suit, uh, which is total horse crap tons of uh malfeasance happened under the obama era the the the, uh, communications director lied openly about keeping your doctor several times as did obama i mean literally just said if you like your doctor they can keep him it was a lie and they knew it was a lie based on the legislation at the time um there was there was uh the the most drone strikes of any president it's so funny when people get mad at trump for dropping a moab and turning you know uh, northeast Syria into glass, but they won't talk about the fact that there was, and that was a that was a legally declared strike. Um, right. But they won't talk about the fact that that Obama had a, under two hundred executive ordered drone strikes across the world. Um, right. It's just there. There's plenty of controversial things. In fact, and this is part of the gaslighting of the media in general. Just while we're talking about controversies from the Obama administration, the cages, the pictures that you see all around, yeah, of just the kids wrapped in yeah. tinfoil blankets. Um, yep. And the cages, all of those pictures were taken in the Obama administration and, and were taken right. because of rules that he enacted. And right. people blamed Trump, who actually did away with part of those rules so that he could refactor immigration. Anyway, it's just it's lies top to bottom. So they had this sycophantic love for Barack Obama because, in my opinion, he gave them what they wanted in a lot of ways, which was somebody that they could somebody that they could elevate to a godlike status in pursuit of their archetypal coverage of mundane events. And and, and that's a lot of the a lot of the questions that don't get answered with the news is like why are they doing what they're doing? And the answer is that people were leaving them to go to Twitter and Facebook. And so they had to ratchet up the coverage to give it the the pizzazz to bring people back and their numbers are up so by all accounts it's working um anyhow uh we you know you could go on and on about this stuff you had the irs targeting uh conservative 501c3s and yeah i mean there's just there was a myriad scandal but of course none of them existed then in the trump era everything flips it's we're going to scrutinize everything 
that this administration does. And even when he was first coming into office, we're talking about things like the fact that, that the FBI, Obama's FBI, tried to fillet him because members of his his uh, cabinet and transition team tried to have claimed that they had meetings with Russia before he was inaugurated. And yet you've got uh, Biden officials going on going on the air to say uh, you've got Biden officials going on air to say to the Iranian regime, just relax till there's competent leadership back uh, back in line and then we'll be able to work something out. Uh, this is uh, it's the exact same thing that they castigated Trump for doing. Uh, Biden's administration is trying to do right now out in the open, and it will never get covered. They promoted this Russian collusion hoax for two and a half, three years when there was no evidence, and then are going to clutch each and every discreet pearl that they can find when Trump, for so far, like what two and a half, three weeks, has been saying that there was voter fraud. And not only that, but they'll fact check on Twitter. They'll fact check even the implication that you would accuse somebody of voter fraud, which is insane. It, now you right. can't even say that there might be voter fraud. Well, well, then how do you do any kind of investigation? How do you have any kind of conversation about that? Regardless, here's what happened. So in the in the interim, what what the legacy media noticed, and you've heard them in the past couple of weeks. Uh, prevaricate about this ad nauseum. They would they're saying things about how it's not fair that the Daily Wire, for instance, gets so much traffic on Facebook. And actually, what they're measuring here isn't reach because the liberal sites and the mainstream media still has the most reach, but sites like the Daily Wire have way more engagement than right. the other sites. So they're getting more right. likes and comments, right? So they say this isn't fair, and they've been saying this for years now. They're saying it again now. Uh, that that conservatives have some kind of cabal relationship with the leaders of social media, which we and do. well, that's we do, but that's not the point. No, I mean that's right. so ridiculous. That's have you seen YouTube? <laughs> have you have you listened to one YouTube creator? And God, uh, the the things the things that they'll let uh, they'll leave on their platform, you know, underage children doing incredible. Uh, incredibly strange things appears to be grooming um but it doesn't violate their terms of service and then they'll take somebody off uh like like crowder for having a a, a figs t-shirt uh, uh socialism is for figs t-shirt yes we all know right. what it stands for also uh doesn't violate any explicit terms of service and they'll just they'll they'll throw them off the platform for 30 minutes and then bring them back and say they didn't break any rules this happens consistently to say that that Facebook's in bed or, or Alphabet is in bed with the conservative uh, side of the aisle is just pure insanity. Anyhow, what, yeah. what happened in the interim was these, so these large media companies put pressure on Facebook and Twitter, et cetera, because of their practices, because they were letting people get to um, these, this conservative content. This happened several times. In fact, several of the hearings, the, several of the Jack Dorsey, Zuckerberg, um, Susan Wojcicki hearings took mm -hmm. place, congressional hearings took place because of the, these um, cries from the mainstream media. And uh, you'll remember maybe the YouTube adpocalypse, right, where Carlos right. Maza, who worked for Vox, who's funded by MSNBC, is right. saying, well, Steven Crowder is rude to me. And therefore, we have to we have to cut his funding. 
this resulted right. in in congressional hearings and all kinds of all kinds of nonsense um obliviation from a variety of sources and effectively got conservatives thrown off the platform and then facebook was like well well how are we going to clean up and twitter too how are we going to clean up our sites so what they started doing uh at at you know the new york times and cnn's behest was they started um they started putting up barriers to political content and so you know Twitter did things like you can't post this ad this close to the election or we will, we're going to fact check this. And then the New York Times said they should be exempt from those same policies, those same policies that say you can't post political content in this window or whatever it was. The New York Times said, well, we should be exempt from that. And the question was why? And the answer was, well, because we're objective and independent and the social media site said, okay, as long as you come, you quit coming around trying to bully us for allowing people to get to conservative content because, you know, the social media sites don't care. They, they get paid when people go to their website. And so then it, that wasn't far enough for them. So the, the social media sites started having to make these fact checks because that was part of their cleanup policies. They would make these fact checks of right. content to – apply apply context to what was being posted by various campaigns etc and you have things like uh like or you have organizations like snopes and politifact doing these fact checks which are right. these new york times cnn hand-picked uh liberal democrat party line speech points fact check sites that will fact check just about any type of conservative content without um without paying any mind to any liberal talking point and sometimes they fact check conservative content and they'll just say well what these people are saying is true but it doesn't include the liberal talking points in it and the great example of this is when the uh, the trump campaign cut an ad or it was a trump pack cut an ad that said basically that uh, it was a clip of Joe Biden saying, yes, your taxes are going to go up under my tax plan. And they just ran that as an ad. It's just what he said. And then it got fact check on Facebook, fact checked on Facebook because it didn't include the context that, yes, your taxes were going to go up, but rich people's taxes were going to go up more. And so they fact checked it and said that this was an invalid, uh, untrue ad. That it's, it's pure craziness. So we've had this transformation. I know this is kind of like wordy and maybe boring but we've had this transformation now where we you had the social media platforms take a step outside of the controlling box of the mainstream media and then the mainstream media by putting political and social pressure on those sites because they were pursuing a narrative that was incompatible or they were allowing the 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 expulsion of a narrative that was antithetical to the mainstream media narrative, they applied pressure and then wormed their way back into the, the control center for these social media sites. And then we, these social media sites with their new policies have re-released onto the world the, the same points of view that we were running away from when we moved to Facebook and Twitter to get our news in the first place. So I, I know that's probably a little bit boring, but this is the, that's the tactical steps we've seen in this migration away from free and open dissemination of 
alternative points of view on the social media platform over the past few years. I mean, it is truly incredible. The New York Times literally telling Facebook, you you should fact check political content. Oh, but wait, not our political content. Let us be exempt. And then let us help you choose who the independent fact checkers are. This is this is incredible, an incredible strong arming of opinions that are allowed to be shared. I don't know. Yeah. I'm gonna talk so I can drink. <laughs> I once again, congrats. That was that was a good diatribe, um, monologue, and just just a long string of words is what I'll say. Um, I want to say that one of the things that seems interesting to me in that whole um, deal is the fact that it where this content people necessarily weren't going to the internet to find conservative voices in fact I don't think they were um, I think people were going to look at the same thing they're always looking for on the internet. What is the thing that you don't know, right? And I think that's what a lot of those independent journalists did a really good job about. Um, you know, when we're looking at something like Occupy Wall Street, you know, don't don't show me the narrative. I would like to see what's happening for myself, please. Can you take this camera and just go look at people, right? Right. Um, and that provides this whole perspective that we just never had before. And I think the thing that has been interesting with just communication in general, that technology is we lived in this world when it became, when it first came out, that it was so expensive and so difficult to obtain that you could only have three channels, right? We just weren't that good at it. And now at this point, it's everybody is a news channel and it's Mm -hmm. very simple for that to be. And it's, you need a phone and you need, you know, $60 a month to have access to the network. And then do you know literally, who you're quoting right now? I don't. Andrew Breitbart. He's well, the first, I mean, he's, he, he was the guy who said who said if you have a phone, a smartphone, you're a journalist now. He he did say that, and I wasn't necessarily thinking that when I was saying that. So, but you're right. Credit where credit is due. Good work, Andrew. Um, but yes, and so I think I think the thing that is interesting about that is that's not necessarily conservatism on point. It's just the simple fact that conservatism has always not necessarily conservatism, but right wing voices have always been kind of pushed out of the journalistic realm. Um, and the reason for that's fairly, fairly obvious. I mean, you know, it, it, the type of personality that wants to be a journalist, you know, is open, argumentative, um, interested in ideas and interested in searching for truth. There's a lot of those personalities that tie closely to uh, a liberal mindset or to a progressive mindset, right? Sure. No, well, the it's other true, thing is- and it's always been true, and we believe in our truth is very is much a conservative mindset, right? And there's not a better way to do it because we already built the wall. How, how, how hard is it to sell? Uh, don't freak out. Everything's fine. <laughs> how hard is that to sell <laughs> as a story compared to this? Uh, we have to act now. The sky is falling, right? And sure. That, Although that, I think conservatives is do a good job temperamental of... difference between liberals and conservatives. I mean, conservatives usually uh, they go, 
well, no, let's not change. Let's not move anything. Let's leave it the way that it is. Don't freak out about it. Don't go and burn anything down because of it. Just wait. You know what I'm saying? I have to push. And, I have to push back just a little bit on that because it's typically like, if they do this, we'll never have what we've had before. You know what I mean? Well, like, I feel like that's the conservative sure, line. Sure, but still, the end of our story is, and nothing changed. Like that's the that's the the falling action. Sure. Right? Like sure. that's our narrative. That's where it ends. And of course we will fight kind of bitterly to make sure nothing happens from time to time. But at the end, it's not like, and now in their new world, they lived hep- happily ever after. It's like, it, it, we right. just want to go right back to the beginning of the story. Um, right. No, fair. Fair enough. So, um, go ahead. Anyhow, that uh, there's a lot of different reasons for it. Suffice to say, you don't need me to sit here and prove it to you necessarily. Although I just explained the the tracks of it, but you can see how that that transformation took place where you had this social media that was starting to branch out on its own for a couple of years and then it got reined back in by legacy media and got stripped down to that core center of viewpoints. So even though you might not consider Twitter the mainstream media, you should because they are being forced to toe the same line that the mainstream media is choosing to toe. Uh, and right. I don't think they're fighting all that hard. I, I use the word force kind of loosely in that in that uh, sense because I think for several reasons that we could get into it if we want to, but I think they're kind of begging for a little bit of regulation and they're begging for a little bit of close the door behind us. Um, yeah, I feel like there's still more to say here, and but I honestly feel like it, it, this is a good moment to pivot, um, you know, be, yeah. into the kind of other side of this which is um because the the internet like it or not creates and technology in a large sense creates the ability for us to connect with like-minded individuals in a gigantic town hall right and to set either hard or soft barriers between those town halls we're beginning to see an ousting of conservative thought in our various which was already in the journalistic channels if you would like um but in these social media networks right mm-hmm. um i think Z- zuckerberg has tried really really hard um but it doesn't appear that he cares necessarily enough if that makes sense um jack dorsey uh the hipster beard cometh has um, obviously made his ideology very clearly known. And mm-hmm. we continue to, I mean, Pinterest for crying out loud, um, all of these companies continue to follow in what I would say corporatism is following in, which is please don't yell at us and please don't call us racist. We'll do whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. And, and go there's ahead. a couple of different reasons for that, you know? And I think maybe this is a little bit different than what I thought we were going to talk about, but I think we maybe could talk about some of those reasons. Um, okay. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I, I can lay out a couple of them just really quickly then. Okay. Um, one is because comparatively conservatives are not a particularly litigious group of people. Um, if, if we see there, there aren't a whole lot of, of 
conservatives who see a little gay pride sticker in the window of your restaurant and won't eat dinner there. However, you put a MAGA hat in the in the, your restaurant, you think you're not going to have a, an explosion on your hands? You're absolutely wrong. Uh-huh. Um, the, the heckler's veto is currently employed more often by the left than it is by the right by a lot. So when you call a company racist, um, that's that's bad for them in a way that calling them, you know, uh, progressive is not. So that's that's one reason. Uh, here's another reason. You don't see small companies across the U.S. You don't see small companies engaging in this kind of um, this kind of bowing down to the progressives. What you see from small companies, by and large, is we'll take any kind of dollar so long as it's green. That's the only color we care about. And that's not to say that there aren't small, ideologically-centered businesses. There's plenty of them, and they go out of business every day. But these companies that operate on super tight margins can't really afford to reject dollars and cents from anybody in particular. So that's part of the issue. And, and then let's talk about Facebook. So Facebook sitting here telling the, you know, the Congress, please, please um, regulate me. Please come in, tell me what I can and cannot say, because they're currently undergoing this uh, litigation battle, deciding whether or not they're a publisher or a platform. If they're a platform, then they're not responsible for the posts of their users. If they're a publisher, then they are responsible for any posts on their site effectively. And you've heard about the arguments about what article 120, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but article whatever talking about comment rights on a digital platform and all of this nonsense. However, um, the you keep seeing these these giant corporations doing what appears to be an anti-capitalistic move, which is where they're asking for more regulation. Well, I'll tell you a story. Walmart is the biggest chain retailer in the United States, and you can ask yourself the question why. There was plenty of general stores and small chains across the United States when the Walton family started expanding their empire uh, early in the 20th century. And so Walmart would go into a new they would go into a new um, location they would go into a new town and there would be a competing general store run by a family you know a small family business and what they would do is they would sell every single item that they had at a loss um, at the store and they would which would appears in a vacuum to be anti-capitalistic right to sell your products at a loss and so then Everyone would buy from the Walmart and no one would buy from the general store. And because Walmart was subsidizing its losses at this current location from all of its other locations across the United States, it would ship them money so that they could keep operating at a loss until the other store went out of business. Now they're the only game in town and then they raise the prices back to a reasonable level. But they've exhausted the cash reserves of their competition. Okay, so what social media companies can afford to to abide by any kind of legislation that is passed requiring them to to review and moderate content from their user base. Can your new startup social media implement the artificial intelligence and deep scanning required to, to adjudicate all of the content that your users post? I don't think so. Can Facebook? Yes. Can Google? Can Alphabet write another search algorithm? 
You bet. Can Twitter? Of course. So there's this, and I've alluded to it a couple times, but there's this, you ask yourself the question, why do these people want to be regulated? Why are they asking Congress for regulation? Well, it's because they can afford it, and if they do, then they're the only game in town for the rest of forever, in theory, until right. you know that kind of technology becomes open source, and, and you can just pick it up off the shelf, which will probably happen you know, 120 years after I die. But, but that's, that's part of the explanation here for why these, why these large corporations, you know, the, we're, dealing with, we're dealing with some legislation in my current company, and, and this should be no surprise, but California's passed some privacy legislation that gives the consumers a bunch of rights uh, to their own data that companies are taking, whatever. And there's a lot of different facets of it. One of the facets is, you know, when you go to a website now and you can't see any website that you try and go to because everyone has a pop-up to ask you about cookies. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So anyway, that that legislation provides the consumers tons and tons of rights that you have to uh, comply with. Well, it costs a bunch of money to comply with those rights. And so smaller companies can't compete. They can't comply. And so these regulatory measures truly do favor large corporations for instead of instead of um competition they're anti-consumer in that way so every time you hear someone just spout off like well why is jack dorsey if jack dorsey is such a you know such a um great business owner then why then why isn't he uh or why is he pushing for regulation if capitalism is so great and the answer is because that you're eliminating his competition you're disenfranchising the entire purpose for the benefits of capitalism right there. So anyhow, kind of an aside, but you can see where these people aren't afraid. These large corporations are the least afraid of these measures, right? Right. Yeah, they, um, they're, you know, and that that's what I think is some of the best by that corporatism, right? Corporatism doesn't fall into the realm of capitalism. Um, it's right. something that kind of, um, to an extent can use lobbying to its advantage. Um, you know, and I don't think it's a free market when you get to help make the rules of the market. And those rules are artificial to some extent. They're not supply and demand. They're not what people necessarily want. Um, right. So, uh, it's also one of those things to me that seems very, very difficult to legislate as well. Just given the fact that, um, the internet and all this technology is so new that it doesn't seem likely to me that you can write the law in such a way that keeps people from finding a loophole to it. You know, so if the rule was you had to have policing against hate speech and hate speech was de defined thusly, I don't know if you can't just like kind of wiggle out of that in a different realm. It's like, oh, but we're not one of those people. We don't, we don't engage in disseminating news. Well, or have content policies or anything like that. We let people post whatever. Um, you know, it seems to me like you could very easily fall under, you know, the same type of regulation that governs phones and things like that. Um, and so, and still be within the internet and have a really, really hard time for someone to like to, you know, get you out of there. So, although Facebook could potentially um, want this regulation and everything like that. I still think like from a technology perspective, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know if the regulation can actually be done in such a way to make that happen. 
Um, you can't say Facebook. Well, even if it can't, you, you could just say who could pay for the fines. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just kind of wouldn't make sense. Um, you know, well, I'm saying Facebook anyway. would be the only one. You know what I'm saying? Well, if sure. everyone's getting well, sure. fined, then who can afford them? Sure. It's probably a matter of the people that can pay them don't care, and the people that uh, can't pay them, you know, are kind of on the fringe enough to where, you know, you can't get any money out of them. They're they're the startup. Sure. You know what I mean? They don't have any capital. Sure. Um, so I, I guess maybe we have to come back to this. A little bit. I think the 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 thing I kind of want to think about and look at is kind of the new world that this is creating. Um, but we're kind of at the top of the hour here, and I feel like that conversation's pretty dang long. Um, gotcha. Because I think I think there's just a lot in that world. Um, I think in some of the technology we're seeing created today, um, but I also think and some of the technology that we aren't seeing created today. Um, I like to take what Eric Weinstein says about coding. Coding is plumbing. Um, it is a pretty simple thing if you know how to do it and you can do it well. What we don't have, um, as far as plumbing goes, is literally centuries of experience behind it. And so what you have is these really brilliant people that are kind of breaking down these new barriers and new human knowledge and are able to like do something that has never been done before it doesn't necessarily mean that it's complicated a database isn't necessarily like you know you don't need to be a rocket scientist to build a database if you get my point you don't need an sure. iq of eight hundred thousand to build a database um and that's ne that's not necessarily the complicated thing it's not saying that people working in technology aren't doing something extremely complicated it's just the fact that we haven't found the best way to do it yet. We've found the best way to make toilets work. You get my point? And so for a long time, one of the number one things that killed people was, uh, you know, like not managing waste properly. And so it's like, we finally got that problem figured out. And now one of the biggest things we need to figure out is how can we communicate information effectively? Um, all that to say is, I think what we're going to see in the future is going to be uh, can be strikingly dystopian. And we've had a lot of people warn us about that. And I think we're seeing a lot of that happen in China. I think we're starting to see that happen in our own government surrounding how these uh, technology companies, they want them to work. And I think we're seeing that in a lot of the ways that they want themselves to be treated. But anyway, I think I think that's probably uh, so, a little bit... But what you're getting ahead. into, Hunter, and the way that this relates is that we're seeing this this expanse and this move away from some of these legacy media and then legacy media adjacent yes adjacent um social media platforms onto these other technological uh, manifestations these other apps these other platforms these other networks and you're uh -huh. saying that that just because we can build it uh, we've talked about this at least in, in our private lives about like tinder and stuff just because we can make it doesn't mean we should. And we haven't exactly um, yes. investigated yeah, the sociological it. or psychological effects of implementing certain technologies at the moment. Correct. Correct. Right. So that's yeah. the that's the connection between old media and this. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, so why don't we just dive in on a cave study and see if we can we can talk about it and then extrapolate out to what the future might look like and put a bow on it. Okay.
I think the perfect case study is parlor in that case, which just it's parlay, right? The the French I, verb to speak. Yeah, but I don't think it's written that way. It, no, it is literally written that way. The er ending it, makes the a sound. It is it is the French infinitive to speak. It's not with an ey because I'm pretty no. sure that's how I've always seen parlay spelled. That's because you've only seen it in the context of Pirates of the Caribbean, where it was done by a bunch of a bunch of rapscallions no, and scallywags. No, it's not but spelled no. in that. That's a visual <laughs> medium, Christopher. <laughs> no, I'm sure you've read some bad uh, Jack Sparrow fan fiction. Don't tell me if that's well, true or not I true. I want to keep the dream alive. Okay. Um, no, but but parlay parlay like je parle yeah. français is I speak Dude, French. Dude, I totally parlay just googled the infinitive it. To speak. I've totally just Googled it and it's spelled the way I said it was. So I win. No, and it's you're not. Wrong. Okay. You're absolutely. You tell that you to don't, Google. You, you don't even, I'm going to literally do, there's going to be a preamble to the show. That's a hundred minutes long about me talking about <laughs> how wrong you are. Sounds good. It's actually that it's not spelled that way at all in French. Well, that's just a, that's just an ignorant. Maybe English that's transition. a, however, yeah, let's, let's talk about, what par parlor parlay ugh, drives me crazy what what do we call it what do you want to call it i want to call it parlor i hate it so much but people aren't going to know what we're talking about if i go around saying parlay well i also don't um, think it's i also don't think it's necessary and maybe i'm wrong but i don't i don't think it's the french use of the term i think it's like I've always heard it as like the parlor where you go in to talk about things. Now, maybe that's because I'm reading Pride and Prejudice right now. But, but that's I also with an think O, not an E. Yeah, but I don't care because I never see it spelled. <laughs> All right. Anyhow. Yeah. Also, I can't um, find it ever. Every time I type into the app store, I'm completely lost. Help. Well, okay. Let's talk a little bit about what it is. So it, it's this uh-huh. free speech forward Twitter is the way to basically uh, describe it. It's Twitter, but it was started in in contravention to Twitter. There's some uh, right-wing figures and and pundits on it. Um, Ted Cruz is big on it. Steven Crowder is pretty big on it. And uh, not, you know, not everyone's on it yet, not even the entire intellectual dark web or whatever. The people that you think would be behind this kind of thing are on it quite yet. And well, it has... this is one of the things is because a lot of that energy is divided, right? Like, yeah, there's still people trying to make Patreon work, which Patreon to me is is a little bit of this, although um, their management is a little bit more uh, authoritarian. And then there's also the fact mm-hmm. that, like, this is what ThinkSpot is, too. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the same exact idea, um, except thinks and ThinkSpot kind of ties uh, patronage a little bit closer to its platform model so like uh, and this is even locals which dave rubin is attempting to do as well you know like there's a bunch of different people playing in the space that are kind of like crossing the and only fans yeah nope that's different that's actually different yeah okay technically i don't know ben shapiro's only fans account is not as interesting as you would think (laughs) oh my god no 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 my wife's a doctor um right anyhow um uh now the only thing i can think about is george or is uh is ben shapiro and and wap so thanks for nothing hunter you've ruined my life 
anyhow. You're welcome. So, so yeah, but like Patreon, Patreon and ThinkSpot or Patreon and lo- only locals are a good example. Like people were getting thrown off Patreon because of their beliefs and what they were sharing, even though it should just be a clearinghouse for like, I'm going to say some stuff. And if you like it, come give me $5. And Patreon was just there to take the handshakes at one of the, one of the $5 in the transaction. Right. And then they started throwing people off for ideological reasons, because of course there was this heckler's veto that came out. Anyhow, it created ThinkSpot or it created locals only or whatever you want to call it. Um, You could even say a similar thing for, kickstarter and then some of the derivatives of kickstarter but parlor is the twitter's it's twitter's you know dark twin and so they basically said forget twitter they're censoring you they're banning you i personally have been banned on twitter um i personally didn't deserve it brian stelter is a pansy and at at any rate um the so people started moving over to parlor the the issue and parlor is a good thing like by and large parlors parlors gets the big thumbs up for me because their their mission statement is you can come over here and say whatever you want we are truly going to act as a as a platform and not a publisher and the only content that they mediate is pornography uh you know anything any lewdness with a child breaking the law like trying to sell drugs through the platform or something like that so that's the only kind of content that they're going to moderate so big thumbs up i mean every conservative should be behind that um no problem but and here's the but and this is kind of what i think you were getting at with the just because we can build it doesn't mean we should thing just because Parler is a, a platform, at which I'm currently on and will stay on and will continue to promote, and we're going to put the show on it here in just a little bit, but just because it's right. a platform that appears to align with not just conservative ideals, but ideals that are conducive to a, a free and libertist people, doesn't mean that it's a good world that we're stepping into. Yes. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, if you want to think about it, it's like in your town where the town hall is and everybody got together to talk about things. People started building another town hall right next to it, right? And they started yeah. going there to talk about it because they thought the other people in the town hall were being mean to them. And that's not what's happening. Um, but it, that that analogy kind of gets you there is, you know— Imagine if like all the right wing people weren't allowed to go into the town hall, right? Then they would have to build another place where they could talk and discuss. That's what parlors become. But mm-hmm. it's really, really, really bad to have two separate towns in your town. That's not good. Right. That's a really bad news because it means it means civil war is what it means eventually, right? It doesn't mean civil war today. It doesn't mean civil war in a while, but it means you've basically decided that it's okay not to live together, right? That's its trajectory, um, certainly, not necessarily exactly its destination. Right. Yes, I mean, divorce would be another idea, right? But as long as All you I'm continue to head down... You can change the trajectory before it comes to fruition. Right? Sure. But that's that the under, direction that sure. it's headed in. Sure, exactly. So I think the thing that gets a little bit 
nervous about something like parlor existing is not the fact that it exists because it's doing something that's good it's the fact that it has to exist that it makes it very scary um i also i also don't necessarily know if i buy the marketing with parlor a little bit um and what i mean by that is i'm curious to see what left-wing ideology gets booted off parlor um first Mm. And I, I, I just, I think we live in so partisan a world that I, that has to happen at some point. Um, now I don't necessarily, maybe the people who are doing, who are running the show are more principled than I think they are, but my gut tells me they're quite opportunistic, right? And they're yeah. quite well, so is every capitalist, but right, well, exactly, which, yeah. but not necessarily a bad thing. But like, okay, let me, let, I think that. I'll push back. I just don't just think that necessarily say, goes with principled. Yeah, well, I'll just say wait for the evidence. Like exactly you might be right, saying. but but I think you should. I think before you say they're going to do this, you should wait for the evidence. That'll be my small critique to that statement. But I said that here's 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 an area where you might be right. Is like I could see Parlor saying that you know if you've got a drag queen, uh, you know, grinding it out in front of a seven year old, right. they might remove that from the platform. Now, sure. is that necessarily wrong? Hard to say. Is it illegal? Probably not. Is it lewdness in front of a child? Probably yes. So it's like, but but then you could see it as this kind of sticky situation where it's, well, where do you draw that line? Where does our viewpoint disassociate from, from our principles, right? right? And even though it's easy for you to go, that's against our principles. And, and, and you know, it's, it's probably something like that is probably in the offing. It's at least a conversation that they're going to have to have if they haven't had it already. And it's going to quote unquote ostracize some people out of the fold. Now, maybe those are the people that society should be ostracizing all along. I say that it is, but you know, it it could go either way. Um, So you certainly have a valid point. And this is why I think it's important to bring up to our audience that it's, Parlor is a good thing. Everything that it says to do, everything that it purports to do, yes, are things that we can agree with. I'm going to say you should be on Parlor. Um, here's what I'm also going to say: you shouldn't leave Twitter. And I know that that sucks because Twitter sucks, but you shouldn't leave right. it because what's worse than what's worse than leaving an echo chamber that challenges your biases is entering into an echo chamber that only confirms your biases. And so even though Twitter's not fair, it's free to be on both. So as long as it doesn't cost me a dollar, that's where I'm going to be. And continue to challenge my biases while supporting a group that in the meantime claims to only support no biases at all. And that seems like a good idea to me. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, I think this is why kind of when we were talking earlier, we gave people both podcasts on the left and right that they should go and listen to, right? Is because yeah. in this new world, you have to be really careful of the echo chamber that you fall into, right? All the algorithms are built with the idea of making sure that you hear what you like to hear and more extreme stuff of what you like to hear, right? Uh, if you click on a Steven Crowder video and wait long enough before you know it, you're watching Alex Jones. And that's not because, um, YouTube is funneling people into the, into the dark aisles of the political 
right, it's because that the algorithm once knows that you want to look at more and more outrageous content, right? If you start looking at cat videos, they're going to start getting like, you know, throwing chainsaws by the end of that. You know, it's not, it's just the way that it works. It's the same way where Facebook manages to show you more and more material that makes you angry because they know that's what keeps you there, right? Right. That, it's, the, it's the same idea. So it's important for you to know that you're being manipulated, to know that your attention is what is for sale on all of that stuff, and to be a good, good steward point. of like making sure that you are focused, that you are breaking out of that mold and looking at everything. Um, yeah, the you're not I the customer; like, you're the product, and, and that should be correct. obvious. It's not because right. our even our, on parlor. Yeah, yeah, no, but our our chimpanzee dopamine infused brains don't pick up on that. But you haven't right. given Facebook a dollar. Most likely, right. you are the product. You are what's for sale. And that's right. super important to remember. And, and by the way, that's true with all journalism. Hey, let's bring it outside the box a little bit. And Hunter, maybe this is a good place to, to put a pin in it. But, but that's also true in any important idea. A, an important sure. idea isn't trying to sell you something. An important idea wants your soul. It wants your mind. It, it wants to live in your head. And that's that's part of the beauty and the danger of ideas. You know, they say the, the pen is mightier than the sword. And what, what they mean by that is that the spoken word has done more damage throughout human history than any type of violence because it's, it's the spoken word that pulls the trigger. And that is, you, you can't look at the, at the 19th or the 20th century and say that that's not the case. These super infectious ideas were were trading in the hearts and souls of, of people. And when they when they acquired that currency, they either used it for great effect or great destruction. And yeah. That's that's it's important to and it's important to keep that in context. So when you're being sold ideas, when you're being engaged by a platform that is pulling you hither and thither and yon and trying to sell things about you, trying to say, hey, here's somebody who likes, you know, conservative content. So let's let's try and sell them a water filter. Then you need to <laughs> you need to be aware of what's going on to your to your your chip brain. Right. But by the right. same token. Uh, that's not that's not an excuse for not engaging in the ideas and being some kind of ideological hermit. Like, well, the most beautiful yeah. things and the most destructive things come from that sphere. And social media has learned how to how to uh, give the morphine switch to the to the inpatient, right? And so we can click it whenever we want, but we have to. Uh, you put it really beautifully when you said um, you have to be aware. You have to you have to understand what the algorithm is doing to you and your circuits to engage with it responsibly. So, right. The ideas, the idea, the thing I, I liked about what you said is about, you know, important ideas want your soul. And I think, I, I don't even think it's necessarily important ideas. I think just ideas in general move people, right? It, sure. You know, you, if you are waking up tired, right? that affects what you accomplish that day and not because you're tired, but because what your brain is able to like keep in its Ram, you know, and if you're focused on the wrong things and you have 
you haven't made a good point to fill yourself with true and right ideas, then you're falling into that. You're falling into whatever the idea is that has a hold of you. Um, so yeah, I think there's a whole nother thing here where we talk about the fact that um, you're starting to see payment platforms, you know, make political statements on what payments they'll allow to go through. Um, you've seen plenty of discussions from like people on Twitter and stuff like having to break up with people because of their political beliefs uh, or losing friends over that. I'm seeing a world more and more where social networks become um, where technology allows us to become more and more divided, even if we still live in the same country where you have people able to go like onto a uh, Republican, twi- a Republican um, Tinder and Democratic Tinder to some extent, um, or <laughs> not even that no guys on Democratic Tinder. <laughs> sure. Well, no, there would be, but they would be, they would be, they would be, this is going to sound uh, a little bit bad, but in the sense of like, they would be individuals that are, that play that effeminate card. You know what I mean? Like I'm sensitive, right? Like, because to some extent, you know, that's what's, I think the clinical um, term is, is soy boys. Okay. Fair. Uh, but (laughs) no, no, I'm just saying, why would you be there unless you were like not confident at all, or you were into fat chicks? (laughs) I'm just kidding, but I'm not, but I am, but I'm not, there's no way that right wing Tinder wouldn't be way hotter. Right in. Write in and let us know. Um, so, but I also don't think that there's like, I don't see it necessarily impossible for one of those companies to have like a survey at the front of it, you know, and then mm-hmm. essentially say with that, like, Hey, you can filter out people who answered this. Right. Yeah. Um, because if that's a deal breaker for you, why would you want to see that person? Tinder is kind of an interesting platform where it's literally just based on, not love at first sight, but lust at first sight. <laughs> lust at first sight, right? Yeah. Right, and it, and like that's 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 how the algorithm, that's how the algorithm intends to work, right? And I'm sure it's pretty dang smart at figuring out, you know, this person looks like this person, so here's more people that look like the people that you swipe right with and have a good time with, right? It's, mm-hmm. but anyway, the point being is, I think there's a lot of different ways where we could see this coming, and it really, really, really frightens me because it's possible um and this is one of the things that's weird about it too it's completely possible to do this without any government overreach any government edicts or whatever we can simply now put us into that into the categories that we want uh systematically not just because we don't talk to the mccoys anymore because you know what they did to our great 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 grandfather you know what i mean it's it's it, we can literally just pre-box people from conversations, right? Uh, and and you can you can make the argument that that really wasn't possible before such a proliferation of technology. So, yeah, not systematically at least. Yeah, and and that's that's a problem because to do it analog requires at least some level of interaction. Now the interaction right. could happen without right. you exactly. even knowing that it's happening, right? And exactly that's right. super dangerous. Exactly right. So. Uh, I you know not, not not exactly the direction I thought this episode was going to go. I wanted to uh, ransack the media for all of their um, 
all of their gaslighting nonsense and just go case by case. And maybe we'll still do that at some point. You know, I wanted to, to talk about the fact that you could um, be a you could you could protest the police and you were fine. You wouldn't get coronavirus. But if more than 10 Jews got together to celebrate Sabbath in New York, then uh, they were going to kill grandma almost ritualistically. I wanted to talk about how Andrew Cuomo got an Emmy for his work on the on the uh, coronavirus uh, press conferences. And now New York is in a second spike and he self-described it as a nightmare. I wanted to talk about how uh, Gavin Newsom could go to a, a lovely looking dinner at the French laundry, French laundry while telling yeah. you to stay to stay home. I wanted to talk about how Andrew Cuomo and how the media lapped it up and carried water for him. I wanted to talk about how how just this week, just this week, I can't I can't remember what outlet it was. They posted I think it was I think it was CNN posted an article about how Biden's dogs <laughs> Well, I wanted to talk about how <laughs> are you talking about the dog psychic? We could talk about that, that too. That is incredible. Yeah, that's totally sycophantic. I, I wanted to talk yeah. about how CNN posted this article about how it, they called it the Wuhan files or something to this effect about how how the right. the disease, how the Chinese government was not upfront and was not responsible and did not give uh, the proper information to other governments about the um, COVID-19 virus how it was in America as early as December. And then the WHO carried their water and the major uh, media outlets carried their water after that. Then they told you that it was racist to call it the Wuhan virus. And then they blamed all 200,000 plus deaths directly on the actions of Donald Trump. And now that he's no longer in line for the presidency by all available metrics, now they're saying that, oh, guess what? It did come from Wuhan and Xi Jinping lied about it. And it's like, there's like, right. I want to talk about what, because this whole this whole episode is predicated on the last one is that you are funding this nonsense. You are you are asking for this this gaslighting. You're asking for this mental abuse that they are committing on people that disagree with them, and they're forcing you into they're forcing you into engaging with that even on your social media now. But I guess it's more important maybe more boring but also more important to say you have to protect yourself this is unprecedented and hunter you put it really well so um as as much as it, it would feel good just to to rally at the media um rally against them and go through all of their many many uh shortcomings i know that there will be ample time for that as they polish off their red carpets and uh, drool cups for Tan Obama suits. V2 to come back. Um, yeah. Kamala Harris. Pro provided. Yeah, exactly. Provided uh, yeah. Kamala finishes the job that, that uh, Biden's dog started. Champ. Um, also, pretty champ. sure one of those name is champ. champ. Yeah. 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 Um, I believe it was anyhow. champ mainly because he was like, guess who's in charge now? old man <laughs> that seems like a champ move that would be a champ champ's a name for uh somebody that hasn't accomplished anything yet um 
anyhow, yeah, a real chat. Let's let's maybe stop her there. I'm sure we'll have time to get back into it. But that's that's the important message this week is it you've got to protect your mind. And you know some of the the way that the American uh, experiment falls apart is by allowing ourselves to be torn into multiple town halls. It's allowing for a complete rending of the social fabric. You know what? And by the way, conservatives, the way that you lose right now, the way that you lose your immediate political goals is by engaging in a, a echo chamber themed cult of personality instead of realistic politics. And I'm talking mainly about the Senate races in Georgia. Um, if you if yeah. you just want to if you want to die on the Trump uh, the Trump ship, it's like Jack Sparrow stepping off of the the top of the main mast at the end of Pirates of the Caribbean or the beginning of the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Like the Trump right. ship is going down. It's effectively sank. If he had evidence, you got to think he would have shown it before now. But if you right. can't divorce yourself from the fact that he governed well and then said a bunch of stupid things and probably lost an election over it. If you can't get that through your head and you use that to back up these narratives that voting in America doesn't work anymore without any kind of evidence, well, guess what? Then you're going to lose the Senate. And if you think that Kamala Harris presiding over the Senate as the vice president is the future that you want, well, we just don't agree about very much. So anyhow, don't engage in the echo chamber. Protect your mind. There's a lot of powers and principalities and Dorseys that are doing battle over it right now. So don't engage in the echo chamber. And look, go to parlor. Go to your right-wing outlets. I preference them. I think that they're better. I think they're built on better principles. But what I refuse to do is I refuse to close my eyes to those that disagree with me. And you know what? Maybe this is how you wrap it up. Uh, Papa just came out with a new book. It's going to hit shelves in March. Jordan Peterson. His first book, 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos, right? And it was all about what to do when you find yourself in a world without order, right? It's effectively the need for conservatism is what it's about. What do you need when there's not enough structure? His next book's coming out. And even the title is chaotic, and I love it so much. It's not 12 Rules for Life 2. The book is, co- is uh, titled, um, what is it? It's, the, it's Too Much Order, but I'm paraphrasing it. What is it actually titled, Hunter? Um, an Antidote to Order. No, it's Probably. not. Hold on, I've got it right Really? Here. That can't be it. No. It's titled uh, Beyond Life order. Beyond Mere Order. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond 12 order, more rules. 12 more rules for life. And see, what I love about that is it's even it's even reversed the title and the subtitle. Like, it's just pure chaos. Like, if you have OCD, it's just going to itch your brain. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so what it's saying yep, is yep, yep. what happens when you get into an order so rigid that it doesn't allow for growth? And right. that's what conservatives risk when they stop listening to the left. So right. anyway, that's that's my pitch. That's where you need to uh, you need to be engaged. I think going forward, uh, still cut your cable, still find right. someone who who's has editorial control over what they're telling you. Uh, but but don't allow yourself to be trapped in the echo chamber. It's hard. It's hard when you feel like you've lost. Not to do that. But seriously, grow up, grow up, take your licks, 
say I backed this horse and this horse lost and I need to move on. And yeah, yeah. What can you say? Yeah, Haley. I think. Um, <laughs> oh, Haley Crenshaw. Hey, Haley. There we go. Um, I think with you know there, there's the whole philosophy of you know it's uh, lamb, lion, child, right? And the whole idea is, you know, you first you're a lamb, then you're a lion, then you're a child. You come back to some extent. And then the child is the thing that can find You don't start as a child? Purpose. No, you start as the lamb because the lamb believes everything it's told, right? You're a sheep, right? Then you move into the uh, lion, which is you believe that everything everything is crooked, twisted, and wrong, right? And then you become the child, which is you learn the power that you had once again as a child, right? Which is the the power of like the truth that was in the things there that, but you're not naive about it anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like you, one of the things that you have to do is you have to, that is like the natural growth and you should get to the end of that. Um, you shouldn't be lost forever as someone who just distrusts everything. Real easy way that you can tell if you're in the echo chamber today is if one, you believe that there is absolutely no corruption that happened in the, 2020 election then you would then you're in a a left echo chamber if because corruption happens in every election that's this big it happens every time and it's you need to be able to say that in a nuanced way if you're in the right side you believe that it was enough reasonably at this point by based on the available evidence that we have that um that trump won the election that's an insane thought Right. Yeah. It's, it's an insane based on the evidence that's currently available to us. You know, and if you're listening actually... to somebody. Oh, go sorry. Finish your thought. And if you're listening to somebody who's not selling you that message, they're the echo chamber. That's right. There's actually an even easier way to tell if you're in the echo chamber. Okay. And it's if you truly think that you can get better fitness supplements from someplace other than carlpulling.com oh slash FNX. Now, let that's me talk right. to you just for a second about FNX. If you are a wimp, if you're come some kind of soy boy, if you are currently subscribed left tender to the gold to get gold membership on left tender, then <laughs> then you need FNX Fit because here's the thing, you pasty sack of nonsense. FNX Fit will absolutely turn you into the trim, slim, crime fighting, dark brown, tall handsome machine that you need to be to finally make an account on right tinder now also i want to take a quick pause here write into us the titles of the apps for left and right tender so we can share those on the next oh that's a great idea i think you guys will have a lot of fun with that anyhow um look they've got protein powder so you won't be such a wimp they've got some sleeping supplements so that you can get rested and get those dark circles out from under your eyes they've got They've got hydration packs to, to keep you well moistured so that you aren't, aren't a clammy, scaly shell of your former self. They've got, um, they've got apple cider vinegar gummies for those of us who like sweet things but also like being thin. Um, look, give them a try. Carlpooling.com slash FNX. Use checkout cal- code Carlpooling to get 15, that's 1-5% off your order and uh we're working on some new some new um some new sponsors so maybe they'll we'll have a different one on our next episode 
Yeah, and my wife, Katie, has been using their protein powder because she's been trying to get some amount of muscle. Uh, She's never had any muscle before. Yeah, it has. And she's actually, you know, she's been doing a little bit of uh, CrossFit at this place called Burn, and it's been working for her. She's been getting a little bit more toned, Um, you know, nothing crazy. And not necessarily yeah. what she's going for, but finally, for like the first time in her life, she has a little bit of muscle, and she's really pumped about it. So, yeah, that's awesome. Go out Good there and make hear. your dreams come true. Yeah. Email us, Carl. Also, when you said gmail.com. no, okay, yeah. what? Okay, when you said pasty dark night, I thought of Robert Pattinson, but yes. Anyway, thank you. See for bringing see up what Twilight I did there. again. No, 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 no. The Batman when he was Batman. He was never Batman. He was always Edward for me. Email us at Carl oh, okay. Fair. carlpulling at gmail.com. Go to our website, carlpulling.com. We're on every podcatcher. Go download us. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Saw some folks doing that this week. Thank you very much for that. Keep it up. What? Um, and go go buy our stuff from FNX Fit. I'm on socials at Chris X Carl. Hunter's on socials at Emotional Carl. Thanks for hanging out with us through this romp. I know it was a little bit different than the episode we intended to have, but you know what? That can't be helped sometimes. Uh, tune in next week where we're going to talk for maybe two and a half, maybe three hours on why CrossFit is a sham that is simply just uh, uh, it's, a, it's a front for taking your money while, while teaching you to jiggle very large ropes. Um, and hopefully Katie doesn't listen to that episode. Anyhow, this has been Carl Pulling. I've been Chris. He's been Hunter. And you've been in the back seat. Get out. We're home. But first, get tested. stole my line and you said the horrible thing i don't know why i even do this show anymore